The temple in Jerusalem was an impressive structure towering over all other architecture, standing some seven stories tall. It was an absolute marvel to see. Solomon gilded it with gold. It was breathtaking. If you can imagine coming in from any corner of the city and seeing it gleaming in the day's light, it was startling in its beauty, breathtaking. Of course, you know that it had its difficulties through the years and it was taken down by other nations, dismantled stone from stone, until it lay in ruins. When Herod restored it, he did it beyond its former glory. It was an enormous space that was used not only for worship, but it was used for the gatherings that occurred at special festivals throughout the year. When persons came to town, they wanted to come to the temple just to see the spectacle of it all. And those that were faithful as Hebrew people wanted to worship there as well. This was a gathering place for all peoples. Even today, there are people that are gathering in that spot. There are persons that are laying their hands and their faces against what is called the Wailing Wall, which is the western wall of the temple still in existence, the smallest part of which is still there can be visibly made out those large stones, those last few that were not toppled when uh, when Jerusalem fell. Jesus was taken with this place. You remember the story about how he was left behind by his parents who were headed home. How do you leave Jesus behind? I don't know how you leave Jesus behind, but they left Jesus behind. They were a day's journey down the road when they began to ask around. He was not there. They retraced their steps to Jerusalem, looking around. Panic mode had set in. Where did they find him? They found him in the temple. He was there asking questions and answering questions with the elders. They were amazed at his wisdom and his knowledge when his parents came to him and said, why have you put us through this? You remember what his response was. Did you not know that I would be in my father's house about my father's business? He was completely taken with the idea of the temple being his, belonging to him. As he grew He spent much time, day in and day out, teaching there in the temple. He reached out to heal in the temple. He spent time in prayer in that holy place. Do you remember when he traveled into Jerusalem... And he crossed that valley leading up to the eastern wall of the temple. And when he entered, he entered the court of the Gentiles and immediately began to overturn the tables and scatter coins, no doubt, in every direction 
and people as well who were startled by this brazen act. This was the place where people from out of town came. They weren't allowed to move into the court of Israel or into the court for the Levites or certainly not into the only place, the Holy of Holy, that the chief priest could go. This was their area. When they came to town, it was like a market. They could exchange their money from far-off places in order to purchase some small animal in which they might offer their gratitude to God. And Jesus was unsetting all of this. You remember what he said? He said, my father's house is to be a place of prayer. You've made it into a den of thieves. He wasn't speaking to the guests. He was speaking to the ones who were running the business of the temple. This was a place that was intended to be a place of rest, of quietness and worship. Do you ever wonder yourself, when does that happen these days? Whenever do we find ourselves quiet? Everybody wants to make noise. In fact, if you don't have enough noise in your life, they will supply it for you. We live in a noisy environment. Sabbath is a time for reorienting ourselves toward God. So important is this that it was named, of course, as one of the ten, those foundational laws that guide us. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Not everybody makes church a part of life, but for those that do, this should seem old hat. In fact, you may be saying to yourself right now, he's preaching to the choir. I mean, we're here. You are here in this place. Isn't it the ones outside that need to hear this kind of a sermon? as a reminder to spend time in prayer and to rest, to have Sabbath time with God. But this is where you do your work, living as a people, refraining from some of the noise that is a part of your week and embracing the quietness of Sabbath. Others will read it in you. They will see that you have been in the presence of God. I have a minister friend who says that she had a drug problem when she was a youth. She went on, she said, her parents drug her every week to church. That was her drug problem. Every week they drug her to church. And she said, something took. She said, it gets in your blood finally, obviously. Psalm 84 is this longing for God. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord of heavenly forces. My very being longs, even yearns for the Lord's courtyards. My heart and my body will rejoice out loud to the living God. It is this longing for God's presence, 
for God's space. I love the illustration that is used. Yet even the sparrows, too, have found a home here, and the swallow has found herself a nest. Can you imagine these birds perching themselves at the tops of the columns and along the edges of that great temple, flying about and making themselves known, almost as if they own the place, that they have owned this space as their own. It wasn't built for them, but they've made it their own. Do you think of this place as your own? As you come into this sanctuary? Do you ever think that you own this place? Do you think that you own the pew that you sit in? Why, sure you do. Sure you do. I have no problem with you owning this place. Now, if you think that you're the only owner of this place, I might want to have a conversation with you. But that you would take ownership of this space as your own. I was visiting with an elderly woman. When I would visit her, I noticed that she always had her Bible in her lap. She was reading constantly in it. She had begun to disconnect with reality to a certain point. She had a calendar on her wall, but she never looked at that calendar, and I'm not sure that it would have done her much good anyway. When I would come to see her, I would say, how are you doing? And she would say, fine, how are you doing? She said on the tail end of that, she would say, oh, she said, but it's Sunday and I can't go to church. I'm not feeling well enough today. And truly, she was not capable physically of going anywhere. But I wanted to say it's not Sunday, it's Wednesday right now. She had no concept of there being any other day. You could show up on Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, Friday or Saturday. Every day to her was Sunday. She would say it every time I came. It's Sunday and I'm not able to go to church. There was a sacredness, such a deep sense of Sabbath in her that every day, every morning, was filled with expectation to be in that holy place. And maybe this is what's going on here for the psalmist. Better is a single day in your courtyards than a thousand days anywhere else. Do you say that to yourself when you come over the threshold into this sanctuary? You ask a group of children where God lives you do this, half of them are going to point toward the sky and they will say, he lives in heaven. The other half of the children will point to themselves right here and they will tell you, he lives in my heart. That's sort of the grown-up answer. That's the Apostle Paul answer. You know that one over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Don't you know that you are God's temple and God's spirit lives in you. And so they're right. Both groups are right. But I would like to sit with the children and I'd like to share with you that I think that there is something very important about finding holy space. I'm talking about tangible space. In Ireland, I am told 
that if you go out into the edges of the bogs where there's just enough ground to be sure-footed, but before you get into that which you might sink into, that there are standing stones that are there that have been placed by generations, generations of people before, holy persons walking the edge. In fact, the Irish call these places thin places. And why is that? They say it's because the membrane between earth and heaven is so slender that it's hard to tell where one begins and the other ends. We come into this place, or it may be that you have another place, another corner of your house, or a corner of your yard, or some mountain that you go to, or the sea, and there is this sense of the closeness of God all around. Let me encourage you to rest in that. Don't rush past it. Don't rush away from it. Let it fill your life to overflowing. And my call to you today specifically is to remember you've been invited to this table, this thin place, in order that you might sense God's closeness. Let us worship together in the holy presence of God on this Sabbath.